Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 121, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey. Another exciting weekend of action. Teams wrapping up the semester. Got a couple more games this weekend that we'll prep you for, but we'll look back on another exciting weekend and some breaking news throughout the week. But before we get to that, Collins, we'll throw it over to you first. How's it going this week? It's been good. It's been busy. Competed in the National Digital Marketing Conference. Competition. The national finals finished second, uh, unfortunately lost to St. Clair College in Windsor, Ontario. We did everything we could, did a good job, and the, the judges liked it. Very, very AI focused. Then uh, immediately after that, headed off to TCNJ, got the W, 3-1. We had, I think, nearly 60 shots on net and could only put three in. But So big props to the TCNJ goalie. That was uh, it was a good game. Came back Sunday night, did the photo shoot for the uh, the third jerseys that are going to be releasing soon. Pretty cool jerseys, if I say so myself. So get ready for the, uh, the internet to be broken when those drop next Monday. Yeah, can't wait for those ones to come out. Herm, it's funny. Last episode, we talked about where you would want to have a potential ACHA AAU showcase. And you mentioned the Nexus Center in Utica. Plenty of action going on at the Nexus Center this week. Yeah, I had the opportunity to photograph some PWHL action. I have kept this very, very private by the time that the pod releases. I didn't even tell you guys this. I am going to be working with Bauer as they work with some of their PWHL athletes at the Nexus Center. My boss gave me the day off on Friday. I will be waking up very, very early in the morning to do an early morning shift with uh, the one and only Sean Barry, who is their official photographer, freelances with the Dallas Stars and Texas Rangers. He's someone whose work that I've admired for a really, really long time now. So I had the opportunity passed along to me by Zach Price, fellow ACHA photographer, was like, you got to hop on this. And I was like, I am literally in the same building that you are going to be shooting in. What can I do to help? And he was like, you're hired. And I was like, okay. Very, very excited for that later on this week. Getting to to photograph Sarah Nurse was really, really cool today. Finally getting the two photo holes installed at Rink 1 in Nexus right before that puck dropped was a wonderful moment, one that I've fought months and months and months for to try and make happen. And I'm very, very glad that more photographers have a little bit more accessibility in the rink, especially as we welcome women's worlds later on in a couple of months. Exciting times. It's good to see that PWHL hit the ice. I know there's been a lot of anticipation, just like there's been a lot of anticipation with me behind the bench. Got my first win as a U8 coach this weekend, which we're pretty pumped about. The kids were pumped about. Not only did we get a win in our jamboree on Sunday, myself and my assistant coach, Sam Conger, and the other parents, we were able to take down the boards after the jamboree in under 10 minutes, which I'm pretty impressed with. If you have ever watched cross ice mites before, they now have like the boards that you bring out and you put them at the red line. It splits the ice in half. It's great. It is a pain in the butt to put up and take down, but we nailed it. Super pumped about that. Was able to enjoy my Sunday after a long weekend. Kind of went dark on Saturday because I got to catch up with a lot of my old buddies from Bridgeton Academy. Went over to BA for the weekend and it was alumni weekend. Played in another alumni tournament. My record this year in alumni games, I think I'm 3-2-1. and one. Three wins, two losses, one tie. So lots of alumni games I've been playing in. A couple of tournaments, which has been a lot of fun. But it was so good. You know, I was like 18 years old when I was hanging out with all these boys and haven't seen each other in a while since we were all went our separate ways for college. But a bunch of ACHA legends in that locker room, and so it was nice to catch up with them. And there were some older alums that we got to catch up with too, some guys that you know played with my brother at Assumption too. So all in all, it was a really fun weekend. 
feel like I'm, you know, in my rink rat era right now. It was different as a player going to the rink every day. Now I feel like I'm going to different rinks every day. So feel more and more like a rink rat. But we'll, we'll transition. We had some very exciting news that dropped on Friday morning after we released the episode with the coaching staff from University at Buffalo, which was another great episode, quickly overshadowed by the breaking news that the University of Delaware will be adding NCAA women's hockey. The University of Delaware announced on Friday that they will be adding women's ice hockey as a varsity sport beginning with the 2025-26 season. Delaware will become the 45th college or university to sponsor a Division I women's ice hockey program. They have a rink on campus. They currently field an ACHA Women's Division II team. The Blue Hens will compete in College Hockey America, the CHA, which they will be joining Syracuse in the CHA. So Delaware will join Eshel rival Syracuse is the only schools that field NCAA women's programs but not men's programs that title used to belong to Lindenwood and Syracuse it'll now belong to Delaware and Syracuse the news comes after the University of Delaware announced that they will be joining Conference USA which is a big step up for the athletic department it is also a huge step up for the football program which will be moving from FCS to FBS they have Fred Rust Arena on campus and they are elevating the women's hockey program to Division One. Really cool. I think this is huge for the Philly area to have a, a women's college hockey team for the state of Delaware to get one too. I know there's plenty of people talking on social media about the state of Michigan not having a Division One NCAA hockey program, but Delaware stealing the show by adding this one. Collins, going to school in Philly, being in the mid-Atlantic, you've seen the growth of hockey. People got to be pretty fired up to see Delaware adding women's NCAA hockey. I think not so much in this area. This is Novatown, and being that Delaware is our arch rival in football, I think Villanova should look into adding a women's D1 team, but I mean, we haven't had the need to. The girls are absolutely crushing it. You know, they're going to keep that women's D2 team in uh, in Delaware, but it is a bit sad to see maybe the spotlight shift away from all the hard work that those those girls have put in. Big for hockey in the Mid-Atlantic. Great mm-hmm. to see some NCAA college hockey, mainly been dominated by ACHA in Philly, Delaware, and in Maryland. So it's really cool to see that now. I know Herm has some issues with the, blue, the, the Fight in Blue Hen logo. I personally love it. I'm very excited to see what comes from this program. Yeah, I saw some of those comments online herm what what is the beef with the blue hen logo my beef is not with the logo my beef is with the Eshel one template that the mascot has on that's it gotcha okay i i saw somebody on twitter beefing about the logo i kind of assumed because i think it was the same thing with tennessee state you know for the press conference they just went and found a generic red white and blue hockey jersey that they could take and get the logo on it it kind of stinks if delaware did that because they have the well I get the ACHA jerseys have the ACHA logo. So maybe they didn't want that in the press conference and they went and found a generic blue and white jersey. I, I hope that's the case. I I can't imagine. I mean, they went they switched conferences overnight, so I, I wouldn't imagine they, they sent a design team in and designed jerseys. So hopefully this is just a, a prototype. Hopefully not even a prototype. Hopefully this is just a, a one off. Well, I forgot to mention I, one of my favorite parts of the weekend, though, was when I got the text that Army defeated Navy for the second year in a row because it meant that Collins and I had broken the ice. We still have a two-way tie for first place in the game of the week picks. Army saying second for the second year in a row. Army defeats Navy in the rivalry on ice. Six to two in front of a packed crowd at West Point. This was really cool to see. I was expecting a bigger crowd, but 
watching the live stream, it was a rambunctious crowd. The cadets were there. They were fired up. They were banging on the glass every time Army scored. And then the coolest tradition in all of sports is after the game, both teams, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder in line. Navy sings their alma mater first because they lost. And then Army gets to sing their second. And just awesome stuff. It was a great game. The broadcast production was phenomenal from Army. I don't know. They must have had the NCAA broadcast crew in for the game. And, you know, they were doing the instant replay and the Jumbotron and the whole nine yards. So it was really cool to see. I'm pumped for the Army guys because I think that game has been in Annapolis for a number of years now. For them to get the victory on home ice was, was really cool to see. UGA made their outdoor debut this weekend. They've been playing on the road for the majority of this season while the Classic Center is being renovated. We always used to joke, you know, UGA plays in a ballroom. They are not doing that this season because the Classic Center is being built. It is an arena that's going to seat over 2,000 people, and the Bulldogs will call at home starting next season but once it gets cold enough the bulldogs play at the pavilion which is across the street and an outdoor arena with a roof over it and they won their first game six to two over oklahoma state oklahoma state made the trip out to georgia for the weekend i mean college hockey outdoors in december in georgia is questionable and we saw this on sunday the game against bama was canceled which would have been a great one between two of the top teams in aau division one again yeah who who would have thought an outdoor rink in Georgia wouldn't survive in December, but plenty of outdoor action this week. I saw a bunch of videos. I think Bryn Athen played outdoors against Penn. There was a couple other ones I saw. My little brother was like, why are so many ACHA and AAU teams playing outside? Their only rink is outside. They're, I think the only school in the Philly area that has their own rink with the exception of Newman upcoming. It's a, it's a pretty cool barn. One of my old high school buddies played out of there for, for quite a long time and it's crazy. I didn't even put two and two together. I knew that Bryn Athen played at an outdoor rink because, like I mentioned, it's like what Georgia plays at. It's got no walls, but it's got a roof over it. But for the first time ever, I saw a video of the Penn team walking down from the locker room, and it looked so cool to see them coming down the hill. I almost thought it was at a different rink. I, I just assumed they had locker rooms right outside the rink, but pretty cool scene glass was covered in fog so the outdoor hockey was hitting so it wasn't a bad weekend though for oklahoma state they did get to play the following night against georgia tech they won seven to six in overtime the cowboys debuting their cream alternates for the trip which seems to be the trend in in acha and aau college hockey right now i know we had app state with the cream outdoor jerseys oklahoma state gets cream jerseys mizzou had the same cream jerseys i saw photos this weekend bowling green brought back their cream jerseys that they've had for a while so definitely the, the trend in college hockey right now and i also think when teams get the chance to play outdoor they love using the the off-white color so that's always good to see i wanted to include this graphic in it her my oh sorry before i move on to the next topic i want to get ahead of the question of the week but what is your favorite cream jersey of all time so i i don't know if i've ever talked about this on the pod but i kind of hate cream jerseys i think they look dirty like i would rather just see a white jersey is is my take on things like i the bruins there are 100th anniversary jerseys right now i'd honestly rather just see them as white jerseys and not cream might be a hot take. I think the cream jerseys gets gets overdone. I'm three seconds from leaving the room right now. You're you're telling me that the winter classic jerseys that the Rangers wore versus Philly were dirty in the not hockey dirty way. You know what? 
and I'll give you this one, Herm. I think I'm going to blame the Rangers on the cream jersey trend because they were kind of the first ones to do this. So they get a pass in my book. We see it all the time in the Winter Classic teams substitute white for the cream. I know Minnesota did it a couple years back. They had the cream trim instead of the white. But I don't know. I you know, and I, as a photographer, I thought maybe you'd back me up a little bit here that you'd rather just see a clean white jersey. But that's kind of my take. You know, I think the off white. And gray, I think that, you know, teams, when they're looking for alternates, those are kind of the ones they go to. But, you know, it seems like it's an easy layup if you're looking for to do a retro look and you, you just add the off-white in there. The cream really only works well if you're including retro logos. I feel like cream is kind of weird if you're using a modern logo. Really only works also if you're kind of celebrating an occasion. Otherwise, it's it's weird. And I'll even I'll double down too. last year's Ohio jerseys when they debuted the cream. I wasn't the biggest fan of them. Now that we've gone to bird, I've seen them in person and they actually darkened the cream and they call it bird beige. They darkened the color to match the walls of bird arena. They went with the stereotypical cream Jersey to start. And then they kind of were like, you know what, let's be different. Let's do our own thing. And then they almost went with the darker color, which is closer to what the Rangers wore in that winter classic in Philly. So I don't know. I just think the cream Jersey a little overdone that, that, that might be my hottest hockey take, honestly, is that I'm just not, not a big fan of the cream jerseys. I was saying this the other day on black Friday, when the Bruins are playing, I was like, I kind of wish these Bruins jerseys were white. The other thing too, and the NHL teams do it all the time. When you wear a cream jersey, you have to wear a dark helmet. So I think that kind of ruins the look too. And the Bruins right now, like none of them have matching helmets because, you know, some guys have brown Bauer helmets and some guys have brown Warrior helmets and the Browns just don't match. I don't know. It, it's kind of a disaster. Then you got teams like the Iowa Wild. I don't know if you've ever seen photos of that, but they actually wear cream helmets, which look kind of ridiculous you got uh texas we were posting pictures of them because of the college football playoff the longhorns they wear cream jerseys with white helmets and white gloves which is an interesting look it's a hockey debate i, I love it herm i'm glad you brought that up i love i love when we uh when we take a breather from from the news and we, and we can talk shop here but i'm curious if you guys saw this graphic i meant to repost it and then kind of the day got away from me grand canyon posted a graphic of their travel to Minot State. And it was insane. They traveled an hour and a half from GCU to Denver. They, they flew an hour and a half from Phoenix to Denver. They flew another two hours from Denver to Minneapolis. And then it's a nine hour bus ride from Minneapolis to Minot State. Next time somebody tries to tell you that club hockey is not college hockey, show them this graphic because that is insanity. That much travel for a quote-unquote club hockey game is insane i will never complain about a bus ride i had in hockey ever again yeah as soon as i i saw that graphic i was at the the tcnj rink and i showed it to my teammates and said if any of you ever complain about having to do an overnight in like maryland and virginia or like a bus ride to william patterson university by metlife I, I don't want to hear you ever complain again, because this is what we could be doing. We're lucky enough that we have teams within two and a half hours from us. You got you have guys complaining about overnight trips. That was like the best part of playing in the ACHA was the overnight trips. It made me feel like I was in the show. I find it crazy because there some people think, oh, man, I'm missing out on oh, the tailgate or I'm missing out on some frat event or whatever. But it's like, dude, this is what you're going to remember when you graduate not the one random tailgate that you have five or six other opportunities to go to every single year the road trip to buffalo or the road trip to western pa or or west virginia that's going to be the stuff you remember not the 
not the silly tailgates and stuff, which are fun, but you're you're gonna have plenty more opportunities to do that. Yeah, but those Ligma Sigma parties hit different though. They they really do. We'll get to uh, some more action here. Northern Arizona, they had their breast cancer night. They got a big 13-2 to victory over Park University Gilbert. Their M3 team had a big weekend win over New Mexico. Want to give a shout-out to the guys at Old Dominion. They had a huge comeback. They were down 4-1 to on Friday night to the Citadel. Came back to win that one 6-5. to In M3 action, we had a couple of really big sweeps. Lawrence Tech sweeps Oakland. The Blue Devils are hot. And then Hope swept Michigan in a rematch of Last year's national championship game, the same match that we had the year prior to that, Dutchman got off to a rocky start in M3 action, dropped a couple of games that they should have had, but momentum swinging in the right direction for them now with a big sweep over the defending champs. And then I saw this stat today. This got sent to us. Grand Valley State University's M3 team has scored 99 goals in 12 games this season, so we'll have to pay attention to that once they hit a hundred. That'll be quite the achievement. They are off to a great start in M3 as well, but no M3 team had a bigger weekend than the boys at Purdue. They wrapped up their semester with a trip to Illinois in Champaign to take on Illinois M1 team. And boy, did they have their hands full. The Boilermakers getting the victory in overtime on Friday night. They dropped the decision on Saturday to wrap up the semesters. I know they said their farewell to a couple of seniors who are graduating early. Tough look for Illinois. I know Purdue is a really good team in M3 and they've been to nationals the last couple of years, but oh, how the mighty have fallen. Collins, I think that's exactly what you said when I sent the screenshot from this final score. It's, it's a real travesty to see a team that has gone from this might be the next NCAA D1 team to losing to an M3 team. Not a great look. Honestly, should be on the hot seat for it. I think we're more sad than angry at them. Yeah, and it's funny. It, you'd think with how much we pump club hockey up that we would all agree on stuff in the Hockey House pod group chat. But Herm, I think you could attest to this. It's pretty rare that something gets sent in there and we all agree on it. But we agreed that it, it was almost too bad for the hot seat. Like, we kind of feel bad at this point. And then Collins and I were agreeing. We, you know, Ryan Whitney had a take earlier in the NHL season talking about the NHL being better when the Detroit Red Wings are better because of that brand, because of the passion from the fans in hockey town. And that's kind of how I feel about Illinois right now. Like, you know, you love when the big names are, are in it. And they, like you mentioned, they were supposed to be the next Penn State, the next Arizona State, the team that dominates club hockey to the point where it is an easy transition for them to jump in to a power five conference at the NCAA division one level. But Herm, I mean, it's not the first time we've talked about this, but gone are the days of the CSCHL. Brings me sadness. How the mighty have fallen. Like you said, brutal to watch. In some uh, good sportsmanship this weekend, we saw a goalie suit up for the opposing team. UNCW's goalie Jackson Verska suited up for Duke this weekend after Duke's goalie was injured in Friday night's game. I have to imagine that this game doesn't actually count, right? That it's you basically forfeit and use an illegal player, right? I, I would assume that's what happened here. Maybe somebody listening can can fill us in on it. But good on Jackson for suiting up. The photo of him wearing the UNCW mask with the Duke Blue Devils jersey is uh, one he'll probably remember for a really long time. Yeah, I can't imagine that counts because I know if I had to sub in for any other team, I'm letting in every goal. You're not trying to become the William Patterson starting goalie? Oh, definitely not. We mentioned a lot of teams closing out the first semester of action this past weekend. No team right now is hotter than the Midland Warriors in ACHA Women's One. They closed out a record-setting semester 
with a sweep over Liberty, the five-time reigning champions in ACHA Women's Division One, and then they got a big win over Jamestown to close out the semester. Four nothing win. They improved to a new record of twenty. 20- Oh, and one that lone tie coming from a shootout loss to McKendry earlier in the year. They are looking forward to finishing out the semester strong with finals with finals and enjoying Christmas break, but wanted to make sure we gave them a shout out again. The question is like, how much further can they go last year? It seemed like Liberty had some hiccups. We get to nationals and it's like, you know, are they going to be able to do it? And as soon as you start doubting that Liberty team, that seems to be when they strike. We've seen it time and time again, but Midland making a case that they have have that championship pedigree building right now. Rolling through some more highlights, App State with a big upset win over High Point. High Point, the number two team in AAU Division Two, losing to an App State team that not anywhere close in the AAU rankings. Last time we checked, I remember, Herm, you were shocked when we went looking for the ranking and we found out where App State was on the AAU website. We actually thought it might have been a typo. We love the App State boys, but maybe there were some games that hadn't been inputted into the system at that point. Utah State gets a big win on the road against Lindenwood in a shootout. Silky mitts from the Aggies. One of the boys going with the Kent Johnson move that we saw a couple nights ago in Cleveland in the AHL, faking like he's going to go backwards and then pivoting the opposite direction. Felt bad for the Lindenwood goalie. He he looked helpless on both of those attempts. But the big news in ACHA M2 this weekend was Wisconsin with a big sweep over top-ranked St. Thomas in the central, which was a very big one. So hopefully some more shuffling going around in the ACHA M2 rankings later this week. And Herm, a, a huge weekend for Ohio. I we, we don't have to talk about it a ton because maybe people are, are sick of us talking about the Bobcats, but Andrew Wells with the, with the best comment, he just said, are the Bobbies back? And I mean, they have really turned it around here. And I think, I, I don't know, not, not that I'm invested in this, but just like talking to those guys and talking about how much, you know, the community cares about them and how hard they were on the guys after that tough stretch of games, they've really turned it around. They'll face Kent State next weekend looking to close out the semester on a high note. A battle between Niagara and Ohio. Just like any game at Bird, this one got physical at the end. We had a brawl in the second period of the game, and who else but Laker Aldridge in the middle of all of it. Just classic Bird hockey. The fans are loving it. Quite the gong show there. But the M2 Bobcats, they're making some way. They got a big upset win over Indiana. They got the split. They lost to the Hoosiers on Friday night. They got the win on home ice at Bird on Saturday in a big one. Michigan sweeps Louisville in M2 action. And then funny story here. We sent a screenshot of a tweet from UNH UMass on Sunday night playing at the Whittemore Center, which was packed earlier in the week for the Hockey East game. The boys just playing in front of probably eight to 10 parents in in an arena that seats 6,000 people. It was a funny sight, but the boys from UMass had to let us know that earlier in the weekend, they were playing at BC. They were getting dressed in their locker room. When BC came in and kicked them out of the locker room, they had to get dressed in the hallway before the game, and they still ended up getting the dub. So a funny weekend for the boys at UMass, the defending champs, Get a weekend split, one win over BC, but dropping to UNH on Sunday. More M2 action. Want to give a shout out to the boys at Westfield State because why not? They had a seven-round shootout victory over Roger Williams. Long Beach State getting a victory over Cal Lutheran with a 7-4 win. Just want to give some teams some shout outs. I know everyone, you know, closing out the semester, vibes are high. The holiday season is around the corner, getting ready to wrap up finals. So I want to make sure we're shouting out all the teams that are giving the Hockey House pod some love. But 
We talked about it earlier about Delaware and their women's team, their men's team with a big sweep over Stony Brook. Stony Brook might be a team worthy of the hammering a hot seat coming up here because we talked about it last week. Only three wins on the season. Two of them against Syracuse. No, four wins. They had Niagara, Oswego, and Syracuse. I don't think anything else has changed in that. I'm pulling it up now so that we can confirm. Yeah, yikes. They've lost four in a row. They've lost five of their last seven. Oof. It is a tough year for Stony Brook. And to see them in the top 25 last week was a shock. It's a big win for Delaware. They got it in overtime on Saturday night. I believe it was Tommy Tracy with a rocket from the point to seal the deal for the Blue Hens. And then uh, just like between Niagara and Ohio, the second game of this series was filled with scraps as the Hens got the sweep in this one. You Mary cools down Jamestown. Jamestown had won 10 of their last 11 going into Saturday night's teddy bear toss game. You Mary got the dub 3-2, to two, collecting all the teddy bears. They wore the teddy bear toss jerseys, which were great. You know, want to talk jerseys. They had, it was quite the sight. It was a hockey jersey of a teddy bear wearing a pirate shirt. I think I got that right. Collins, you're looking at me like I have 10 heads right now, but I'll have to pull up a photo because it's a hockey jersey of a teddy bear wearing a pirate shirt. So check that out. You marry hockey. They got the 3-2 win. Liberty with a big sweep over Pitt this weekend. They also had their teddy bear toss. Want to give a shout out to Schoolcraft College. They'll be launching men's ice hockey in 2024. 25 according to the ACHA website they are a school in Michigan and they are under the National Junior Collegiate Athletic Association umbrella the the mascot they are the ocelots they will play home games at Mike Badano Ice Arena in Westland Michigan I think we need to bring back Glick's favorite segment here let's do over under on students here at Schoolcraft College hopefully neither of you saw the answers earlier undergraduate enrollment we'll set the line at 2500 collins you want to go over or under this is like a sneaky good line just saying because like it could very easily be like 3000 but i'll have to say at the same time it could be like 800 I'm, i'll take the over take the over herm you agree with that or you want to go a different route just for the sake of content i'm taking the under Wow. I had to think about the line here because I didn't want to give away the answer with the line. The total undergraduate enrollment for Schoolcraft College in Livonia, Michigan is 7,400. The over will cash in on that one. They will have plenty of hockey players to choose from. Wow. That's all I have to say. Fast forward to some rankings talk. We, 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 I, I don't know, Herm, is it even worth talking about ACHA M2 rankings? Because they come out on Friday. Everybody upsets everybody on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then it's like not even really worth mentioning. So that's your ACHA M2 ranking talk for the week. Did want to give some stick taps to DePaul Ford, Brock Ash. Ash scored his 100th collegiate goal this weekend against Marquette. We'll turn it over to the hammering a hot seat college football playoff immediately on the hot seat here it's been a while looking back on this in in 10 or 20 years this will be a time where we remember what it was like to be on twitter when this news broke absolute chaos from the college football playoff committee how does this relate to the acha well i'll just if club hockey can figure out how to name a national champion properly then i think college football 
should be able to do so. Collins, I know you voiced your opinion on our Instagram post, but you seem like Florida State should have gotten in. Absolutely. I think the the playoff committee is too concerned about what will generate the most money and not the teams that are most deserving. And I understand the argument that, oh, maybe the ACC is you know, not necessarily the strongest of the Power Five conferences this year. And who would have thought that only having a four-team playoff for five power five conferences might not be the best idea. A team goes 13 and 0, has wins against ranked opponents, their quarterback goes down, and then all of a sudden, oh, they're not, you know, in it. They were like, I think four or five for like a good, you know, majority of the back half of the year and absolutely terrible. It's just a disgrace to college football. Herm, I was going to go without the hot seat this week because there wasn't anything crazy that ticked me off, but you wanted to put this one on here, so I wanted to make want to see where you stand. Yeah, just Lindenwood University for cutting 12 varsity programs. I think they've expanded way too quickly as a university, and thank the Lord that hockey wasn't on that list, especially with the financial concerns over at Centene. Like, if they, if they hyped up jumping to NCAA D1 for so long and then blew it that quickly, that would have just been an absolute embarrassment, honestly, especially looking at some of the other schools that have made the jump around the time that Lindenwood did, and I very directly point to Stonehill as an example, because they came into Utica and got absolutely waxed at the odd. As soon as you were done talking, I was going to throw Stonehill on the hammer in a hot seat. The Skyhawks are 0-16 this season in Division One. Two of those losses coming to NCAA Division Three opponents. They lost 4-2 to Anna Maria. Anna Maria is a program that we joke about wouldn't survive in the ACHA, and Stonehill lost to them. They then went and lost to Utica 7-2, which honestly, like, losing to Utica isn't a diss to Stonehill because that's how good Utica is. However... Going and losing 7-2 to is disgraceful, especially when you're a Division One team who has not won a game all season. For the record, I was at that teddy bear toss game. Vibes were spectacular. I was up on the catwalk. Good buddy of the program, Max Labou, asked me to, to be there and be his support photographer for it. And we staged a photo where the guys took a photo on the ice and then they all looked up and looked at me in the catwalk was super dope. Stonehill was horrific. Two things. Stonehill, come play in ACHA school. I want to see how that how that would go down. Back to Lindenwood. I saw uh, a couple things because lacrosse was one of those programs that got cut. Lindenwood got the promotion to MCLA, which is pretty big. I wonder what's, what's going to happen. I think over 20 guys immediately entered the transfer portal that day. It was nuts. And I feel bad for, for all these guys that have to, to deal with this. And if you want to rile up your grandfather over the phone, just start talking about the transfer portal. All right. I, I can't even figure it out right now in college football. It gives me a headache. We, we talk about the college football playoff and how big of a headache that has been. Seeing the guys hitting the portal is insane to watch. I said, I, I'm glad I just have a podcast about college hockey and don't have to worry about college football because that is a nightmare right now. With that being said, that brings us to our guest this week. As always, the interview is brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is these guys know club hockey. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link. That's OptimexSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod now is like the best time of year to have a team store everybody's purchasing stuff for christmas you want to come home people want to rep your team merch they love that you're playing college hockey get your family members some great gifts make sure your team is setting up a team store with optimx right now 
It is the perfect time to do it. It's a great fundraiser for your team. We're super pumped about this feature with OptumX. Again, if you want to learn more about it, head to OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. We're pleased to be joined by University of Rhode Island captain hailing from Kennesaw, Georgia, senior defenseman number 17, Jonathan Shaw. Shawzer, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Hey, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Always nice when uh, I can have somebody that I played against join the pod, and uh, you guys are off to a great start this season. A, a bumpy road, though, for URI hockey. You guys have had some ups and downs away from the rink that you've had to battle to start the season. Definitely bumpy, to, to say the least. One of those situations where it just kept getting worse and worse, you know, like over this summer obviously most of the boys don't live in we have a couple Rhode Island guys nobody was really here and then one of the guys was like dude there's no ice like in the boss right now we're just oh that's that's not really normal and so we kind of just waited to hear more about it and you know we kind of just kept assuming that at some point it was going to be back before obviously our season started I remember we got back and it still wasn't in and the date that it was supposed to be back in was September 11th which was when we were supposed to start our tryouts and everything and just kept getting pushed back more and more and more and all of a sudden you know we're playing NYU at Providence college and we're like geez like nobody saw this one coming so it was definitely interesting yeah glad to be back yeah it's crazy and, and you guys are uh, a little above 500 right now you're, you're knocking on the door of the top 25 big split with drexel this weekend did you guys go down to philly for that one yeah we were down at class of uh was it class of 1923 arena down there so yeah we old took school a, barn old school barn we were down there and always a hard place to play for whatever reason for us we always struggle there so Glad we got one. Uh, Would have liked to have had the other one, but you know, um, they played it. They play as hard every time. You were telling me you ha- it was the the run in at Seven Eleven from this road trip to Drexel. No, that that one was my sophomore year. We were in Philly, and this, for whatever reason, we normally stay outside of the hotel or outside of the city. For whatever reason, that particular time, we were in downtown Philly, and we played them and you know we were just kind of on our own just looking to find food or something and we ended up in a 7-eleven you know just a lot of the guys and we were looking for just food and all of a sudden i just feel just somebody coming smack me in the butt and i said like, what the hell what the hell was that and it was just it was just a straight up just prostitute from philly that just came and smacked me right in the butt so definitely didn't have doesn't happen to me every day definitely caught me off guard a little bit but it was something that i definitely won't forget you know i think it might have gotten me a little motivation for the next game because we won the next game 9-3 so maybe it helped me out were the boys with you in the 7-eleven when this happened or were you solo they were with me they were with me they all saw it so i didn't hear the end of that one for at least a few weeks <laughs> jeez <laughs> 7-Eleven in Philly. I mean, I would have thought that you guys would have found a Wawa to find some grub at. Normally, we we do find a Wawa. We probably actually did go to Wawa. We were probably just a little hungry after getting back to the hotel. The lesson learned, probably just stay in the hotel and not go venturing in the 7-Elevens in downtown. I don't know if you did this at Syracuse, but like the last two and the last three years, we went to the, the cheesesteak place in Philly after we played there too. The bus driver just kind of drops us off and just a bunch of guys in suits walk down just the street in downtown Philadelphia and just go get cheesesteaks. That's always pretty fun too. It's just an interesting road trip to say the least. We weren't as lucky. We had uh, soggy Jersey Mike subs waiting for us on the bus when we got done <laughs> at Class of 23 Arena. But it's always an interesting place. And I'm sure you guys get it too when you stay, when you play NYU, right? Like it's it's tough staying in the city. So a lot of times you stay on the outside. Is that what you guys do for the NYU trip as well? Yeah. So in the NYU trip, we only have played them once. The, our, my sophomore year, which is my first year playing, they had some issues with COVID and stuff like that. So we only played them in Rhode Island. Last year, we played them in NYU and we stayed somewhere in Jersey outside of the city and then we bust in. That's one of my favorite. That was really cool though. It almost it feels so showtime though playing there. 
and you bust into the city, you show up at Chelsea Piers, like, oh, okay, time to walk up 36 flights of stairs. But it is still, like, really cool to, like, walk in there and, and play. Like, even Drexel, like, when you drive into the city and stuff like that, I just think that's really cool. It's a really cool feeling to do that. Yeah, you're, you might be the first person to describe it as Showtime showing up to Chelsea Piers. Yeah, well, I'm not Chelsea Piers, but the whole part going up there is <laughs> you feel like you're like, you hope you're going to the garden and then you realize it's just Chelsea Piers, but. You know, not tough luck at that one too. I separated my shoulder within like I think two shifts there. So the oh, sky rig hasn't hasn't given me much luck so far. Well, it was there. this was last year you separated your shoulder, right? This was last year, right before the playoffs. Yeah. Were you out to start the year last year? Because when you guys came to Syracuse, you weren't in the lineup, and I think you guys had a couple guys hurt. Yeah, no, I was I wasn't there that weekend. One of our the big boy fourteen cut. He had broke his wrist. We had a lot of guys hurt that year. That doesn't champion you guys always play as hard so that wasn't that wasn't an excuse but yeah we had a lot of guys out for that particular trip i i know we had a couple guys even with school stuff one of my buddies had an ems thing going on it was just a it was a tough road trip for whatever reason it was seemed like half our team went to that one for whatever reason we hadn't played you guys yet and you know you see i think you guys were ranked at that time and we're like oh big weekend we got uri and then we walked away with two wins and we had had a tough start and we were like, oh my goodness. And then we wrapped up the year with our URI trip as always. And it was like a completely different team. You guys had all the momentum second half last year. We had all our guys back for that second half. We even picked up a couple guys too that you guys probably didn't see the first time. We got a kid named Zach Bell and a kid named Shane Mulhern who both came in halfway through the year. Unbelievable players. So you guys probably hadn't seen that yet. And then also I hadn't played you guys. Cutter hadn't played you guys. Rico, he's number 12, small, fast forward, hadn't played you guys. With all those guys that we had back, it was I think we won 2-1 both games. So, I mean, it yeah. really still Nail wasn't biters. that big of a Nail game. Yeah, it was, for whatever reason, it's just always, I think it's more of like the way Syracuse always plays. I mean, you guys are big and physical, and I think we're not the biggest team in the world. I think that matchup's a little tough. Just You guys always seem to compete really hard against us. So, you know, it just always is tough playing, whether it's at Syracuse or at URI. We never really, it's never... It's always within one goal or two goals every single time, win or loss. You mentioned, you know, having some difficulty against Drexel too. The ESCHL is a pretty tough conference. There's no real off weeks. Like what are some other opponents that you you guys get up for at URI? Like any rivalries that you guys kind of see? I'm going to go with our team first and I'll go for me personally. Our team is Stony Brook. Like, our, like every time we play them, it's, it seems like, you know, we're ready to go. Obviously a really good team. They're, I think, our school's biggest rival since way before any of us have been here. Those are definitely games that we always get up for and they're typically pretty talented so if you don't play the right way they're going to put whatever 10 in the back of your net that's a team that we always are excited to play and for me personally i love playing delaware it's a huge rival of our school as well i remember my first one of the first few home games of my career at uri we played stony brook at stony brook we got swept that was the year they were really really good and they made nationals and so we were feeling good about ourselves came back home played delaware and lost seven nothing like one of the worst games that i've ever been a part of in my life top to bottom dominated just I was like, should I sell my gear after this? It was like horrible, like that bad of a game. Every time we play them, I just kind of get up to play them. Like, I feel like if you're not ready, then they're going to embarrass you because it's just that intense of a game. So those are a couple of opponents that I definitely get up to play or that we enjoy playing for sure. And for you guys, was that the first game back at the boss was, was Delaware? For this season, the first games at the boss were Delaware. So it couldn't have worked out any better. Uh, we were happy to take you to win both of those games, but it's just like, yeah, those were our first games in like whatever two months back there it was it was it was definitely weird to be back but it was awesome people think rhode island small state you know you can drive across it in, in no time but you guys were going all over the place for practices and games like how crazy was that like 
what were rattle off some of the rinks that you guys were playing at so I, i'm going to start by saying this too this was actually crazy so as soon the problem with the rink was the compressors so the compressors broke literally at the exact same time as the boss's compressors broke literally every other rink in rhode island's compressors were breaking so we were guys were looking around like, like what's going on like we were we had our tryouts at cranston i i don't know if you've ever heard of that but it's in somewhere i'm not from rhode island either but um probably like 35 minutes away from us we've had our tryouts there we usually go monday through friday on like wednesday the ice was like you know the indian ocean like guys had have scuba gear on we're like what's what's going on here we have a meeting all compressors went bad so we had to extend the trials to next week at a place called west warwick which is kind of near the airport in providence we get there whatever 7 a.m practice you know not a great situation everybody did a great job handling it but just nightmare scenario we're hoping that the ring's going to be open after we play oswego state on the road we don't see any progress being made so every morning we're just bagging ourselves at like whatever 7 a.m we can't play the games at west warwick we can only practice there so after we play oswego in new york our first home game against nyu we're scrambling that you know our coaches are scrambling to find places for us to play we end up playing Providence at Providence College and then at a place called Pawtucket and then Pawtucket's nickname is the bucket so I mean you can do what you want with that one so you know what you're getting into is just like find any ice that you can find to be able to play and it ended up working out good you know the boys really did a great job just adjusting to the whole situation but I mean I'll tell you what I did not ever think I was going to see this much of Rhode Island I was typically trying to stay closer to the to the Gansett area wasn't trying to go up to the bucket or any of those places, but it was it was definitely where I, another funny story, if you don't mind, was like since we were we were driving all these, like we were driving ourselves. So one day we were like, Can we just get can somebody mixing a bus here? Like help the guys out, maybe I don't know, throw us a bus or something. And they're like, Yeah, we'll get you a bus. So the bus is at like whatever, two o'clock for like the five thirty game. We get to the rink and somebody's like, dude, there's like the roadie shuttle outside. Like there's like the hill climber, like the like like, you know, like those shuttles that take you around campus. And the guy's like, there's just no way that they actually brought the roadie blue line to take us to like Pawtucket. That's actually insane. Guys just ended up driving themselves anyway. And there was like three kids on the bus. So it's just stuff like that that was crazy. You asked for like, like talk about a club hockey story. I mean, that's one of the ones that definitely stuck out. But we, I'm glad we made it through that whole experience. It was, it was definitely funny. You guys were all over the place. It felt like you, we checked social media and you guys were playing at a different rink. And then the Rhode Island Hockey Tour wraps up at Mount St. Charles, which is a pretty historic arena. And it sounds like you guys had bus issues leaving that game too. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, that rink's a cube, right? Like, I mean, the corners are literally 90 degrees. So that was wild. We played Niagara there. Niagara is obviously really good, as you know, right? And so we lost to them twice. Played them close both games, but we lost to them. They were a really good team. We're like, all right, at least that's the last time we have to deal with all this rink nonsense. All right, we're good. Let's just get on the bus and go home. Whatever. We get on the bus, sitting there, sitting there a little longer, sitting there a little longer. We see the guy out there. Looks like he's trying to reinvent the wheel out there. We're like, oh, that is that ain't good. It turns out there was some kind of issue with like the like the steering wheel, the power steering. I was like, yeah, that issue is pretty important. Probably shouldn't be driving the bus without power steering. So all the boys had to Uber home, you know, just from Mount St. Charles. It's about a 50-minute, 50-minute <laughs> <50 minute>, uh <laughs> drive away. And we just I still haven't heard anything. I don't know if the bus driver, he might still be there. I don't know. Nobody actually checked in to see if he made it. Kind of like you know, Stephen A. Smith with the Dallas Cowboys, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. Like, that's kind of what it felt like with our season. It was just like, dude, like what else could possibly happen? Just wild. But we we made it back. I knew the bus was sketchy to begin with. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, we, it was one of those buses with colored seats on it. You know, it looks like tie-dye. I'm like, there's no way this bus is going to get there and back. Like, there's 
one of the ways is going to be an issue. So it turned out to be the way back. The bus seat looked like uh, the carpet in an arcade. Yeah, it looked like a roller skating rink from like 1984. Yeah, I was just, this isn't good. You know. I'm guessing you guys didn't factor uh, paying for Ubers in the team dues this year. No, somehow we didn't mix in the Uber costs. We didn't figure that one was going to come out. I think we're going to get reimbursed for that. I was texting my coach the updates, and he was just telling me how horrible it all was. I'm like, Coach, I know it's horrible. I'm here. Yes, it's bad. <laughs> he drove home because he, he lives. He doesn't live like he lives like in another part of Rhode Island that's probably closer to Mount St. Charles. He's like, oh, this is horrible. I'm like, yeah, no, I know it's horrible. I'm standing outside next to the bus. It's bad. I know. Uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, I'm glad we all made it home. I'm honestly surprised it went as smoothly as, as it did. We had one guy that was an absolute beauty. Like an Uber driver had like a van and he let us stuff like probably seven bags in his van. He was just such a good team guy, you know, for never meeting any of us before. So that was great. The, the moral of the story is you will never take playing at the boss for granted ever again. No, never. I mean, I don't really think that any of us really did take it for granted, to be completely honest with you. A lot of our decision-making for going, deciding to go to University of Rhode Island was the fact that the team obviously is historically a good team. And then we had the rink on campus, just like you guys have the rink, just like Dell has the rink. Like, like that's a big source of like wanting to be here. It's a big recruiting tool for kids to want to come here. So I don't think that like, I'm from, I'm from Atlanta. So I didn't have a car my first couple of years, you know, trying to get somewhere off campus would have been kind of a nightmare. So um, I don't think we ever took it for granted, but it definitely shows you made us realize how important having that rink on campus really is after that. You guys got to go to the Chicago classic the other day, coach Joe Augustine, you mentioned URI historic program. He had a historic win. He's now the all-time wins leader at University of Rhode Island. How cool was that to be a part of? Because I'm sure you've, you've built a pretty good relationship with him over the years. It was really cool. For He's from Chicago. So all his family and friends were there. And I don't really think, not to make us sound like, you know, unaware or anything, but I, I don't think we were all super aware of that. He Because we know how he broke a record in the playoffs last year against Drexel. There was some where he passed another record as well. So we kind of weren't thinking about it until we realized, wow, like if he if we win this game, like he's going to actually be like the most winningest coach in the school's history. So um, it was super cool. He's obviously a different coach to play for. He's super intense. He's super old school. He's been around longer than, way longer than any of us have been born. Really cool to be a part of something that historic for our school, 100%. Um, that wasn't an easy game either. We made that game way harder than it should have been. Like, no no disrespect at all to Northern Illinois. Like, they're a big physical team. But, you know, we were we were beating the puck into a square that game. I mean, we were not <laughs> we were not playing the way that we probably wanted to play. And at the end of the day, it goes in the in the books as a win. And that was really cool to be a part of. You mentioned that he's, he's a different style coach. I, I'm going to go on a limb here and say it's just because he's been around the game of hockey for so long. You know, are there any crazy things he does during practice that you maybe hadn't seen before at other places? I w- I'll say one thing he loves is he loves to have like the two games going on to watch drill. He loves that. He's a huge two games at once guy. I, I just like, I love hockey. I just want to play three on three, four on four. Like, let's just keep it simple, right? Like, I'm not not a rocket scientologist to quote Biz, right? He has, like, we'll be playing, like, three on three. Then he'll have two games of three on three going at the same time. And I feel like somebody's going to get in a car accident out there or hit each other. He loves his warm-up drills. Like, you know, he loves his inside edge skating, outside edge skating, his backhand passing. Oh, oh, I remember one story. There's one kid who was just struggling to make a tape-to-tape in practice. And so he was in a bad mood that day. Who knows? I don't know who we lost to. He was in a bad mood. So he made this kid stand at one side of the blue line and just made each one of us go one by one. And that kid had to hit us with a pass 
one after the other after the other. There is just stuff like that that um, he does. It's really funny. He has some really good one-liners in practice too. Like, you know, he'll get mad at the forwards and he'll be like, you know, you guys are mad at the D for not giving me the puck, but you need freaking binoculars to see the forwards. You guys are so far down the ice. Stuff like that. He's definitely really funny, but he definitely keeps it interesting to play for him. And I think we all would go through a wall for him, 100%. I got to ask too, because he's been around the game so long, is there anything like off the ice, you know, where it kind of shows that wisdom that he truly has? I think all the, all that he gives very good advice in terms of not just hockey, but like after hockey. So he's like, you know, you guys have to show up, you have to work, even if it's in December or January after you're exhausted, after like the kind of piss and vinegar wears off from the beginning of the season. Because when after you graduate from college and after you get into the real world and you start working, you have to show up day in and day out and you have to work every day. So you can't just, oh, I don't feel like, you know, running our system today. I don't feel like back checking today. Like you can't do that in the real world because you're just going to get fired or you're not going to be able to have a good living. So he does connect things like that. He helped me even with being like the captain this year. That's not like, I mean, my personality, I, I like, I don't like to take myself too, self too seriously. I like to have a good time. Like I, I have a really good relationship with my teammates. So it's like, he kind of gives me some helping advice on like kind of how to handle certain things and stuff like that. So he definitely has a lot of, of wisdom for sure. And I think that we have a really good group that listens to him too, even though, you know, some guys don't always see eye to eye just because, you know, it's, everybody's not going to be happy. Everybody's not going to play all the time, but we do listen to him. And I think we take what he says to heart. I got to ask because when we showed up to uh, Rhode Island at the end of the season, we were shocked to see he was rocking the goatee. Did the boys give him a hard time about that when he grew that out? You're telling me, man. I was just as shocked as you guys. I did see it, though, for the first time after Christmas break. Like, I walked into his office. Nobody nobody gave me the heads up that he was just had his, he had a goatee now. So that was interesting. Um, nobody gave him a hard time, believe it or not. Nobody nobody gave it to him. We kind of let him do his thing. I Actually, he kind of killed it, though. I didn't know he could do it. Like, I can't grow anything, right? And he's always clean shaven. He's got the, the, the good flow. Was it, I didn't know he could grow a mean goatee like that, but he, he could. That's why, they, he did that's why they call him the silver fox, huh? <laughs> exactly. We, we've done a lot of uh, URI talk already. We haven't even really gotten into the background of, you know, how you ended up at URI. You mentioned growing up outside of Atlanta. Walk us through, like, how'd you get into hockey? So I got into hockey because my family's from Detroit, Michigan. And so my uncle actually started me playing when I was young. I was actually born in uh, down near where Florida, the Florida Panthers played down in a town called Coral Springs, Florida, moved to Texas and then to Georgia when I was five. So I've been in Georgia ever since I can really remember. And he got me started on roller hockey. Uh, I started on, on roller hockey and then I moved to ice and then I've never stopped. So I, I just played youth hockey in Atlanta for a team called the Kennesaw Junior Thrashers, obviously just like the feeder program from the Atlanta Thrash before they ended up leaving and going to, to um, you know, to dusty Winnipeg. I don't know why anybody would ever move a team there, but, and I just grew up playing there until I made uh, the AAA team called TPH Thunder, which is now Junior Preds. We played there uh, for five seasons. We went to a uh, boarding school called Brooks, which is in Mass, North Andover, Mass. And to answer your question about how I got to URI, um, all the schools that I really applied to were in New England because I went to high school up there. So I really never looked at going to, you know, UGA or any of the Florida schools. I, all the schools were in New England and I ended up at URI. Walk us through your time at Brooks. Like 
not only your your time at Brooks, but that decision, right? Like if, if I went on your elite prospects, I see that you're playing down in Georgia and then all of a sudden you're Brooks. I can only imagine that you were looking at probably plenty other schools. Like what was that decision like, you know, moving away from home and going to boarding school so you can keep playing hockey? The decision was, was actually pretty tough because obviously nobody wants to like leave home at a young age. I mean, for me, it was not like, I'm sure it was harder on my parents than it was for me but it was still hard on me too. The decision was basically, I was missing so much school, traveling to Detroit, Chicago, Denver for tournaments all the time that I just, you know, my dad and I were like, you know what, like, why don't we just have you go to somewhere where you can play hockey and also go to school where they don't get in the way of each other. A friend of ours told me about Brooks. I was looking at uh, a school called Loomis Chafee in Connecticut. And then there was a couple other schools that were like the hybrid, you know, like South, like South Kent select schools like that. They're that like hybrid hockey and school where a friend of mine was like, why don't you look, we looked at Brooks. We are, we're not going to go, but we really love the campus and we think you guys should look at it. Looked at it, loved it, ended up going there. And it's the best decision I ever made. And to be honest with you, it's kind of similar to the Eshel. Like I didn't know about half the teams that were there till I got there. I was like, wow, I didn't know there was like a bunch of other teams that are exactly like this one. Like when I got to URI, I did not know that like, like I'd heard of Syracuse before, but I didn't know that you guys had a, a hockey team like this. I didn't know Delaware had a hockey team like this. Like I found out about that after I got here. It was definitely cool to see all the other schools and, and how they were similar. Yeah, prep school hockey in, in New England doesn't mess around. And I'm no. sure you found that out very, very quickly. What's a memory that you have? I see the Brooks photos on your Instagram. And, you know, if, if I know one thing about prep school hockey, there's that camaraderie, right? You know, all the boys, you know, coming together, going on a, a, a NEPSAC run at the end of the season. Like, what was your favorite memory with Brooks? My favorite, well, I'll tell you my, my welcome to prep school hockey moment. We played Lawrence Academy in the preseason game my first year there, and they were absolutely disgusting. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything ever like that ever. Like, they were gross. I remember sitting on the bench. I, I've always, I played defense since I was young, and I, you know, I, they had me playing D and Ford. And I remember I obviously didn't get a lot of shifts. And I remember sitting on the bench being like, you know what? Like, this is hockey now. There's no more U14, U15. Like, like this is it now. So I'm going to have to figure out a way to get better here. Or I'm never going to play. And my best memory from Brooks, oh, there is, there's a lot. The stuff that we would get into, not even, <laughs> not even at the rink, just the stuff that we would do away from the rink. Like, we all lived in the dorms together. We'd all mess with people around campus. Not in a, <laughs> in a bad way, but, like, there's this one kid that, like, rode, like, a unicycle around campus. And so, like, I remember he would, like, try to, like, teach other kids how to ride a unicycle. He had, like, this one girl on a unicycle trying to teach her how. And my kid or my friend got, like, a blowhorn and, like, blew the blowhorn, like, as loud as he could. And the girl fell off the unicycle. She's fine. But just stuff like that, just getting into mayhem around campus, there's some of my favorite memories from Brooks. And then, obviously, going and, and being able to have your whole school support you when you play the games is, is, is awesome, too. It was, it was really fun to play there. And so you went and played in the USPHL after Brooks. Was that a decision, you know, you didn't get the looks you wanted as a senior at Brooks and thought, hey, one more year of hockey wouldn't hurt? I'm an only child, and I don't think that my parents really knew much about anything. Like, we were kind of figuring it out as we went. So I had a couple of looks out of Brooks, but nothing crazy. I mean, like, you looked at my EP, it, it, was, it was pretty dry there. Like, it was just, it's, just it's, it's hard, it's hard hockey. Like, it's hard to score as a defenseman, any, you know, anywhere, but especially there. I would see that if I wanted to continue to play the game in college, I was going to have to go play junior first. The agreement that I had with my dad and, and, you know, was that I just wanted to play one year and then go to school. Like, I didn't want to play two, three seasons. You know, I wanted to just play one and then go to school. And originally, I actually wanted to go to St. Anselm College in New Hampshire. 
I got into the school right out of Brooks. They had some pretty good dialogue with the coach. They have an unbelievable rink. You know, I was under the impression that, you know, if things went well for in for the Islanders that I would be able to, you know, have a good luck or a good chance to play there. And once I started playing for the Islanders, we had an unbelievable team. We did really well. I kind of just was had the feeling that they wanted me to stay and play more. And I really wasn't willing to do that. And I had already gotten in the URI out of, out of Brooks as well. And I looked at their schedule and saw the level of competition that it was. And I figured that that was similar enough in that I wanted to just go to school and not continue to just be between high school and college. No shade to anybody who does that because there's a lot of unbelievable players in, in the ACHA that are 21-year-old freshmen. Nothing wrong with that. But just for me personally, I just wanted to kind of go to school and get it started. I mean, in an alternate universe, you and I could have been D partners together at St. A's. That would have been something. And, and look at us, you know, in the ACHA because I was in the same boat, right? You know, and I'm sure you saw the same thing. Like, I'm sure plenty of your Islanders teammates went and stuck it out, did a couple more years of juniors and then went NCAA. Just like you, you know, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to go to school here. Like, I'm ready to get on with this. And, and not that I don't want to play junior hockey. I see all my friends in college. I want to kind of make that step in my life. So walk us through, I mean, freshman here at URI because we have the the pandemic hits and, and you show up on campus like that had to have been a, a crazy time in your life. First of all, I kind of had a little bit of confidence coming into URI as a student, not just as like a hockey player, because I was like, I've been through boarding school. Like I've been through like the whole shy, ready to meet people thing. Like I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm all good. I'm good. I, it was just, I wasn't good. Like it was completely because of the fact that literally there were, you could literally do nothing. Like you couldn't meet anybody. Like it was very tough after the excitement of just being in college wore off. It was, it was pretty tough. People were hunkered down. You weren't really allowed to go do anything. You weren't allowed to have more than two or three people in a room. It was definitely a, a tough experience in the fact that like you knew that in a normal year, it would, it would, there would be so much more to offer from the school. I mean, I know a lot of kids transferred kind of dropped out of college, but I knew that it was going to get better because obviously it would like you could see what it was like before. I think that having hockey really helped. We weren't able to play any games, but we were able to practice and tryouts that year last like four weeks, it felt like, because we couldn't have a bunch of guys on the ice at the same time. You have to go in groups. And so it was definitely weird. I know I oftentimes find myself thinking about, I wonder if like I had played my freshman year, like I wonder what that would have been like, you know, I would like, would I have been a healthy scratch? Like would I, would it have been a hard adjustment for me? Like I, I do, we talk about it sometimes with my teammates that are seniors. Like, like I wonder what that would have been like if we had a chance to actually play that year. Were you, were you a freshman that year? Or were you a sophomore that year? No, so I was a sophomore that year and I remember you know, we kind of canceled our season fairly early on. I think in about November, we, we knew we weren't going to travel. But I remember seeing you like staying up to date with you guys because it felt like you guys were kind of moving the goalposts every week. It was like, all right, this game is getting canceled. But like, here's the rest of the schedule or like, all right, we're going to start January one and then like maybe have a season. It was a crazy year for everybody. But you mentioned that, you know, a lot of kids didn't survive that first year. Is there anything at URI that stood out to you from your freshman year that made you go, you know what, I'm going to really like this place? I remember like, like I would just like be so bored because of stuff that we, we couldn't do anything. And I remember I'd just be going, I'd just go on runs around campus at night. And I just remember running by the rink, like by the boss. I want to play there so bad. Like it just looks so cool. Next year, whenever it is that we can play, like I just want to play there. Like that just looks awesome. Like that's what I'm here for, like to get an education and to play there. That was like a beacon of like, you know, I wanted to experience playing there before anything like that and that kind of kept me going a little bit and I obviously made some very good friends like my best friends here some of them at least came from that freshman year like of just like you know just having to constantly hang out with each other find ways to do things and be creative so 
you know, and, and speaking quickly, I'm pushing the goalpost back. It was literally exactly the same thing, like, with the rink. It was like, it was like, oh, like, we're playing. Like, I remember at one point we had schedule of, like, four games. It's like Liberty and then Liberty again. I'm like, just kind of give it up here. Like, there's no shot we're going to play any games. Like, like, come on here. Like, Sam, like, right? Like, what are we going to do? Like, they, we can't travel. Like, we can't do anything. We can't even get dressed in our locker room. Like, you know, we were getting dressed in the parking lot for stuff. Like, it was like you know, Hurricane Sandy outside and I'm trying to get my elbow pads on like to get in the rink, you know, it was, it was crazy. So as much as it was, it was a grind that year, there was definitely fun parts about it. And we had a lot of exposure to our team and stuff because there was nothing else to do except hang out away from the rink anyway. So I think it helped for the next season. Well, you did find a way to, to play some games that season. Walk us through your little stint with the Mad Hatters. Okay. So this one is kind of actually a crazy story. So they at that point, as you remember, they were doing the COVID testing. Whether or not you tested positive or negative didn't really matter. If you were in close contact, you still had to get shipped off to the COVID hotel. So I remember I got my COVID test back and it was negative. You know, some detective found out that I was on a hockey team and that one other person on the hockey team also tested positive for COVID. So they sent me to the COVID hotel. And I remember being like, I'm not doing that. Like, it's stupid. So this is definitely illegal. I Ubered from the COVID hotel to the airport, flew home. You know, I was just going to, I planned on staying home for like the week or two weeks, whatever. One of my buddies found out that I was home and he's like, dude, like how long are you here for? It's like, yeah, I don't know. As long as I need to be, I guess. He's like, well, why don't you come play with us? And I was like, is that even possible? He's like, yeah, man. So like I went and practiced with him and it was so much fun. And, and the South is like a completely different country at that time. Like there's no rules, circus, no one cared. You know, I talked to my parents and I was like, you know, like if you guys are cool with it, like I would love nothing more than to do this. And like, that's the rink that I skate at over the summers. Like it's like five minutes from my house. So like, it was almost the best case scenario. It's just like for the last time in my life, I was able to actually play for a team from Atlanta. I remember like two days later, we were on the bus down to Tampa. I was like, this is actually wild. Like just like one second, I was in, in like the Holiday Inn Express. Three days later, I'm on a bus down to, to play the Tampa Bay Juniors in a USPHL game. I'm really happy that I did that because I had so much fun playing hockey i would play like 40 minutes a game played zero defense don't even think i went back into my own zone once really i'm still best friends with a lot of those kids today one of those kids actually plays for stony brook owen larson plays on stony brook now played for that team he's a good player but it was a lot of fun i'm glad i did it that's unbelievable i mean talk about like a a, a fairy tale ending right to so your your minor hockey career that you get to go back home to atlanta and play a couple games and the USPHL for the Mad Hatters. Now we get to your sophomore season. It feels like you finally get to start your ACHA career. Like you mentioned, you were running by boss. You finally get to play. Did you have like a welcome to the ACHA moment, something early on your sophomore year that surprised you? Welcome to the ACHA moment. I think I just realized how good it was. Like it may sound a little corny, but like, like I mean, everybody like, everybody knows by this point, like the ACHA is college hockey. Our first game was against Oswego State, and it was so fast. Like, I mean, for me, especially not even, we hadn't played. Guys hadn't played in a year and a half. I had played for with Atlanta, but still, like, it was still fast. And I remember just, like, we lost that first game, like, 4-1. I remember my one of my the other senior defensemen was, was like, hey, like, that team isn't even, like, no shaded on Oswego State. They're like, dude, we play teams that are ranked in the top 10, whatever. Like, that's not – we're if we, like, we're struggling with that team. We're going to have a lot of trouble in the future. And so I was like, wow, that because I thought that team was really good. So I was like, oh, my God. So that was kind of my welcome to the ACHA moment. As I talked about earlier, the Delaware game where we lost like seven Cobb, like it might as well have been 52 nothing. Like that was absolutely one of the worst games that I've ever been a part of as far as like just getting beaten every facet. Like those were kind of like the welcome to the ACHA moment. And then the, in typical like Delaware fashion, like they scored the seventh and they were like, 
banging sticks on the boards. Like the kid probably went on a knee. Like it was like Stanley Cup Game Six for for the goal that made it that went made it seven nothing back door. So I, I think that was probably one of the welcome to the ACHA moments right there. The biggest thing was just how good the hockey was. Played a couple D three teams since I've been here, and I'm, I can tell you that the ACHA level is literally like. There obviously some Division three teams are really really good, and there's some Division three teams that aren't so good. Well, at least our division in the Eshel is definitely somewhere in the middle of that in terms of the speed and the talent and just the overall level of hockey. It is very good, and I found that out pretty quick. Well, you must be reading off my note sheet right now because the next thing I was going to ask you about is that NCAA exhibition with Worcester State. You guys lost, you know, in a one goal game. I think they scored, correct me if I'm wrong, they scored with like a minute to go, right? Like 30 seconds left. We tied it with a minute left. We were down 3 2. We tied it. And then we kind of thought we were already in overtime and forgot to play the rest of the, of the game. But yeah, they scored with about 29 seconds left to win it. It was a really close game. I got to ask, like, are those guys throwing chirps about you guys being a club team or do, are those guys kind of aware of like how good the ACHA has become? They, I didn't hear one one club chirp that game. They were throwing a little bit. They were throwing a couple chirps here and there, but they were actually very good to play against. They didn't chirp. Well, I think we kind of I think we kind of gained a little bit of their respect because we played hard. I mean, we're, we're as you know, I mean, it's just like if they had played anybody else in, in our division, like I think we were a little bit better than they, than they maybe thought we were going to be. I think that a couple of us have pretty good style too. I mean, if we you don't know, pump our own tires. So I think that all in all, I think we kind of gave them a little bit better game than maybe they thought we would. They didn't throw any chirps around after the game. A couple of them came up to me and told me that, Hey, like, you know, you guys are a pretty good team. And I was like, I appreciate that. You know, coming from a team that's playing in the NCAA against good teams in the NCAA, that means a lot. And it kind of just validates that what we're doing, you know, us working hard, putting in the time and the effort every day is working towards something. So it was nice to see the result. Obviously, you want to win that game to really make a statement. But I think even losing it by one is was was enough to make sure that people could see that the representation, the level of hockey that we play. You mentioned the sty points. I'm very happy to see that you guys all have helmet decals now because that was something that would drive me crazy. You could tell who the old guys on the team were because they had the URI decals on their helmet. I'm glad you see you guys have upgraded it. But Ronan Judge wants me to ask you how he can get his style up. <laughs> hey, I don't know. Rojo uh, Rojo's pretty good style. He's tall, lanky, skill guy up on the, on the back in there. So I don't think he's got much work to do. I think a couple guys have some work to do. I'm just glad Cud got that rust bucket off his head from last year. I'm pretty oh, no sure way. That, I'm, ha- yeah, I'm happy he, for him, finally. He, he, got a new, he got a new bucket. I mean, he, it sounded like he, he, he gave him a hard time, and he freaking dug that thing out of a freaking his backyard and put it on. So I'm glad he got a new bucket. Maybe a couple other guys, maybe Pesh, Anthony Peschel, can take a couple notes on you know how to have some good style. But for the most part, the boys actually are doing pretty good. We got the shelves going, the helmet stickers going. So I, I think we actually look pretty good, honestly. I, I'm actually pretty happy with it. What are some things that you look for in good hockey style? Like some things that you make you're I know you're a bubble guy. When did you start rocking the bubble? I used to hate bubbles when I was little. I my parents used to want me to wear a bubble and I used to hate it. Uh, maybe it was because I had that egregious half bubble, half cage whole shebang thing going. Maybe that's why I hated it. After a while, I went to a cage at Brooks. I wore a cage the whole time. When I went to IHC, I was like, oh, ew, the bubble looks pretty disgusting. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, get the wings going, get the ball going. It's like, you know, I kind of look like a skill guy out here with this bubble. So I decided to just stick with that. I, I really like it. And I, and I can't go back to the cage now because I just can't see anymore. Like, I just mentally convinced myself that I can't see without the bowl. You know, you're a bowl guy. You, It's just not, there's bar none. The bowl is good style. You know, you got to make sure the skates are looking good. The, the, 
the, the shin pads over the skates. You know, there's a couple full tuck guys. You have to be a major skill guy to pull off the full tuck. Like I, you can't just have, you know, guys that are dump and chase guys pulling off the, the full tuck. Yeah. You know, you gotta be a skill guy to pull that one off. You know, you're in trouble when the other team has a skill guy with the full tuck and a chrome cage. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I know that I'm probably gonna take a minus if the kid's got a chrome cage on and full tuck. I try to keep my stick close to my body so it doesn't work my triangle. And then I try to get off and get a better matchup. We mentioned Oswego State earlier. You guys also started the season off this year. Some fire alarm issues here. I saw a couple photos from this one of you guys out in the parking lot. Walk us through that one. Kind of falls under the train of the whole what can go wrong will go wrong theme. Uh, that really was kept reoccurring in our season there. I mean, we lost the first game there, which, listen, give them credit. They're a really good teams. First game of the year, not a big deal. Like, bounce back the next game. We're down 2-1 going into the third in a huge game that we need to win. All of a sudden, the fire alarm starts going off. I'm like, all right, whatever. Fire alarms go off all the time. It's not a big deal. I start to see the Oswego State guys, like, coming out of their room and, like, walking outside. I'm like, dude, like, come on like this is just not at all something that i want to deal with right now in the slightest like this is just not in the cards they're like yeah you guys have to get out of here like you know they're gonna we gotta start going so put skate guards on walked outside and we were just sitting out there for what felt like a half hour just waiting for guys to go and clear the building at a certain point you can't start you can't make this stuff up like stuff that was going on to us was just utterly ridiculous yeah i could tell you for a fact there was no fire like i I can promise there wasn't a fire. So I don't know what really triggered it. Honestly, it's probably a good thing because we ended up coming back and winning that game. So maybe we need to have fire alarms go off more often. But I did not know what to expect next after everything that went on. That's insane. We got to talk about the the guys in the locker room. We mentioned Cut a couple times. I know he's a, a big beauty. He was always on the receiving end of a lot of Syracuse chirps and he would give it right back. And you just got to respect that. But like walk us through some of these characters you have in the URI locker room. Oh, we, we got some characters. Uh, Cut is bar none the one of the funniest guys ever like he his one-liners are hilarious and a lot of one-liners i had to take some notes on i had to go to school with some of the one-liners that he, he gives me characters oh man we lost a couple big characters uh we lost jacob kelly last year he was number nine on our team you know <laughs> good, good guy huge mutant like just biggest character in the world. I don't know if you guys probably would have ever noticed it because I'm not sure how how he was on the ice. We have uh, our assistant captain Dennis Singleson, beauty, great guy, always is uh, laughing. You know, you know, always pushing the buttons around with guys on the team. We had a couple guys. I'm trying to think, is there anybody else that sticks off the top of my head? We have um, one of our sophomore goalies, Nick Marangola, is just always up to no good. You know, just messing with guys constantly. Big group chat guy. He's, he's just the definition of a glue guy. You know, just loves being at the rink. He honestly thinks he's better at hockey than the majority of our team, like, in player gear. Like, I, he, we have public hockey. Like, he thinks he's he's convinced he would actually be, like, the third-line center on our team as a player as opposed to a goalie. I'm like, well, how about you just play goalie? Because right now on the roster, you're, you're a goalie. So can we do that instead? Uh, but we have a really good group of guys and we have a, a lot of fun with each other. I love to hear that. You talk about URI being like a historic program. You guys are always kind of in that, I want to say like 20 to 25 range in the rankings. 24 teams get to go to nationals this year. What does this team have to do to get URI back in the national tournament? I think we just have to find some consistency. Our biggest issue as a team right now, and again, this is no disrespect to any opponent we have all year. You have to play every team like they're a top 10 team. Our level of play is higher against higher teams or better teams 
than it is against teams that maybe are struggling a bit or maybe ranked a little bit lower. When when you do that, you put you you allow teams to stay in the game with you. You know, like what happened at Drexel the other night. They got some good goaltending, but we didn't score some of our chances. I don't ever think we played as well as we could have. And then you end up dropping a game, a league game that you probably should have. So I think our biggest thing that we're going to have to do is to gain some consistency and then win those games that matter, like the Illinois State game over in Chicago. We were up 2 nothing. We I thought we really, really outplayed them in the first period. They're a hell of a team. They came back really hard. It was 2-2. It's no problem. We lose that game again with like 20 seconds left in the third. You don't even get a point out of it. So it's just little things like that that we have to learn how to finish games or just learn how to do a little bit more to be mentally strong, to be able to get stuff out of those games, as opposed to kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, if that makes sense. And then when we do play a team that that we're clearly probably a little bit better than, we have to dominate that game from the start to finish, as opposed to trying to do things our own way and maybe letting the game get away from us a little bit. I think if we're going to make nationals, that would be what, what has to happen because we're going to play those kind of teams at nationals. We're going to have to figure out how to win those games in the last few minutes or at least extend games to give ourselves a chance to win those games. We haven't even talked really about, you know, maybe the potential. There's a lot of talks about NHL going back to Atlanta. You you jumping on that bandwagon? Oh, 130%. Are you kidding me? Like, if they get a, if they get a team back in skill Atlanta, I mean, I'm on the wagon. Like, I, I listen, I Florida Panthers, like, hey, listen, that's a skill team right there. Got some grit. Bruins underestimated them, thought it was going to be easy. Then they got taken to the woodshed, you know, choked on a pipe there. Couldn't close out Maddie Kachuk and those kind of MVP caliber guys, but... I think if the Atlanta Thrashers, or I don't know what they would be called, but they were to come back, I am fully sold on that. I mean, I'm just going to go on the record here. Nothing against Arizona or whatever. I, I know it's a hockey hotbed and everything down there, but if they're playing in a college arena, if Gary Bettman worked as hard to keep the Atlanta Thrashers in Atlanta as he did to keep Arizona in Arizona, Atlanta Thrashers would probably have two cups by now. That's how hard he's working to keep Arizona there. So I'm just saying, just give the boys another chance. You know, I, I I hate to hear the whole Atlanta has no fans. Like, that's stupid. Like, have you seen – take a look at Carolina. I mean, it was dressed like a seat night every night in Carolina till they were good. And it's one of the best atmospheres in the NHL. Like, that's how it goes. If you don't win, you're not going to have good fans. When you win, you're going to have good fans. And I think Atlanta is a hockey city for sure. You just have to give them a product that's going to, people are going to want to go see. And then you're going to have to give them stable ownership too. Like, you know, now you can't have the Michelin man running the freaking organization. You have to have somebody who's knows what they're doing. And I, I think it'll work out great. So I hope, or if I hope they come back, but we'll see. I don't want to get my hopes too high. Cause I do think there's other cities that deserve a chance too. Not that delusional. All right. Well, here's another one to pick your brain. You talk about playing in a college arena. The boys at UGA are going to play in like a 4,000-seat arena next season when it's all said and done. If you were going to go into the portal, don't want to start any rumors here, but if you were going into the portal and you had to go play for a school down south, who would you have your eye on? 100% UGA. 100%. Like I I, uh, I know a lot of the guys down there, and they're really good guys, and they're, there's actually – some very good players down there too. I would definitely, if I was going to hop into the portal, you know, to have the agent talk to the, the GM of UGA, maybe get something together, maybe get a, a one or two year deal. I know I'm, I'm getting up there long in the tooth now, but you know, if I was going to transfer anywhere, it would definitely be UGA. I don't think I could turn my back on, on, on my state like that. And they, they have some absolutely disgusting unis too. I mean, they get some unreal stuff. They play outdoor games. I mean, they're, they're living the life down there, and now they have that new rink too. So I for sure have to keep my eyes open for them. 
Well, last thing before we go, because I, we haven't really even talked about it. I, I see you're in your room here at, at URI. Are you one of these guys that's living in a beach house? I am. I'm, I am a beach house guy. Yeah, it's about, uh, I'd say about four minute walk down there and I'll be at the ocean. It is a little chilly, but you know, I can't complain. The beach is the beach. Yeah, we, we got to do the the recruiting pitch. I mean, playing college hockey on the ocean, it, you're living the dream. It doesn't get much better than that. Like, I know Minot State's really good, but I don't remember the last time I saw the ocean in Minot. So if anybody is trying to, you know, I mean, come on. Like, the boss is back. The compressor didn't explode. It's back. You know, we have a rink, locker room. You know, I mean, come on. You're get, uh, Narragansett, Rhode Island. It's gorgeous. Like, I don't know. Like, I, not just me. I mean, it's like a whole, the way it's set up down here, it's just like a whole, there's like three different sections of like where college students live all like that's all on the beach. And it's, uh, like I said, I know Adrian's really good, but like I said, I don't know the last day. Again, I don't, I don't know how many beaches are in Adrian. So if anybody's up to, you know, any good players want to come and uh, join the boys down here and, and have a really good time and, you know, be on a competitive hockey team and maybe help bump us up towards that uh, top 25 or top 24 gets the nationals and we're all for it. Well, Shazer, hey, thanks for taking some time today. Glad we could finally give you some FaceTime on the pod here, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said before, I thank you so much for what you guys do. I know, Murph, you've played, so you understand how important this is for us to, to have people do what you guys do and the way that you guys are always in every every place the ACHA is in. You guys are there taking pictures, giving it coverage. Wonderful job you guys do, so we really appreciate that. Our ACHA Burgers of the Week, we start with Westchester. They had a big victory over Towson, 14-4 to in ACHA M1 action. Ties a 10-goal margin that the boys at Utah had in a 10-0 shutout over San Diego State. Moving to women's ACHA Division II, Ohio State defeats Oswego 12 nothing. And the biggest burger of the week will go to AAU Division II, where Paul Smith College defeated Skidmore by a score of 24 to two games to watch this week. We'll start on Sunday night, university of Missouri, number eight team in M three taking on the number 22 team in M three Maryville at Washington park ice arena. This rivalry is pretty intense this year. Longtime friend of the show, Brendan rainbow telling us that it is the biggest. This rivalry has been in years Friday night. We have Lindenwood taking on St. Thomas at Centene. Herms throwing Lindenwood on the hot seat. The whole university is on the hot seat. Their M2 team lost in a shootout to Utah. St. Thomas is bouncing back after getting swept by Wisconsin, so it'll be a huge battle. Some must-watch hockey at Centene this weekend. Thursday night, we have Concordia, Wisconsin, taking on DePaul in a huge matchup in ACHA M2, a sneaky good matchup in the Central Friday night, we head down to Tucson, U of A, taking on Arizona State, duel in the desert, Arizona looking to rebound. They got swept by Utah a couple weeks ago, ASU looking to end the semester on a high note on the road. Friday night, number six, UNLV takes on number four, Jamestown. Jamestown, a team that has been red hot. You, Mary, cooled them down a little bit on Saturday. And then UNLV looking to bounce back after those two losses at the Chicago Showcase. They had some big wins over Arizona last weekend. They will want to end the semester on a good note. That's pretty much the theme of this week's game of the week. The game swatch end of the semester on a high note. Friday night, we head to upstate New York where Niagara University's AAU team takes on AAU D1 Buffalo, a battle between two of the top teams in AAU college hockey. Speaking of which, we forgot to touch on it, but U Tampa 
with an upset victory over St. Bonaventure, handing the Bonnies their first loss of the season. Tampa made the trip up to upstate New York. They actually lost the game to Buffalo. So Buffalo riding very high. They will take on Niagara at Dwyer Arena. Friday night, Pitt taking on John Carroll. A little bit of a rivalry here. Not many people know this one, but John Carroll upset Pitt a couple years ago in the CHMA final. John Carroll ended up getting an auto bid for Nationals. They fell to Maryville and St. Louis, and then Pitt almost had an upset win over UNLV in the same tournament in that first round on the first day in St. Louis. These two teams do not like each other. John Carroll has had Pitt's number a couple times in the past, so can the Panthers get some momentum in a big one against JCU? Saturday, App State taking on Kutztown at Spring Mountain Adventure. We talk about the outdoor jerseys, the outdoor cream jerseys. App State's going to break them out one more time against Kutztown when they make the trip north. Thursday night, we have Adrian Women taking on Indiana Tech in a battle between two top 10 teams in ACHA Women's 1. And then Friday night, we have Westchester University taking on the boys at Villanova at the Iceland Quad Rinks. Collins, going to be a big one. Boys at, boys playing Westchester. It's anyone's battle in the ECHA this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a, a close game. And, you know, that that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to predict nothing. But looking at the standings right now, I believe Villa, uh, sorry, Westchester has two points on us. Uh, they are 5-1-1, one and, one, and we are 5-2-0. and oh. So this is a big, big weekend for us and a big, big weekend for them. So expect things to maybe maybe get chippy and could determine how the rest of the season goes for either of these teams. I know I will not be playing this weekend. Thank God. Um, I don't want to deal with that pressure, but going to be very interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a tight race, and I'm sure neither team wants to end the semester with a sour taste in their mouths and think about that one while they're home for the holidays. But there will be no love lost between these two rivals for our game of the week on Saturday. We have the Brawl of the Wild, University of Montana, taking on the top team in the West, Montana State at Glacier Ice Rink. This is going to be an exciting one. Love when these two teams get together. When we talk about ACHA rivalries and huge crowds, you know, we automatically, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, you know, the midnight games at Liberty, you got Ohio versus Adrian. This is a sneaky good rivalry in the ACHA. These two teams, these two schools do not like each other out in Montana. It is just a scene. Both fan bases get up for this one. They're crushing bush lights and Coors lights in the crowd. The students are getting into it. The rinks are cold. They got porter potties in the rink. It is an absolute gong show, and we're looking forward to this one. This week, game of the week, Montana State versus University of Montana. Herm, I'll throw it over to you for your pick. Confidently, Montana State. These guys yeah, are, at the, uh, are there at the top of the West in M2. I would be absolutely stunned if Montana pulls this one out. We, we talked about it, uh, I think, a couple episodes ago. Not every upset is an upset. You know, like we we ha- honestly like this week when, when Utah State beating Lindenwood in a shootout, it's like, yeah, it's technically an upset because Lindenwood is number two in their region and Utah is like what number six in their region. Technically, it's an upset, but it's also a shootout win. So like not that big of a deal. If if Montana were to win this one over Montana State it would be a big deal because talk about having a good semester. Montana State has probably had the best semester in program history. Only one loss at this point. 
to GCU a couple weeks ago. Collins, all that info, anything going to change your mind? Nothing's changing my mind. I think the past two times we did this, I also picked Montana State. Yeah, they're just simply dominant. And I hope that quote from Herman and I gets used as bulletin board material because I think it would be cool to see an upset. Right now, the statistics are pointing that this is going to be a Montana State win. Yeah, I'm, I've worked my way up here to get above 500 in the game of the week picks, and and I'm not going to you know try to ruin that now. So I will also be rolling with Montana State. We'll have to see what Fitzy ends up going with this week and see if it's a clean sweep or not. We'll move along to our question of the week. Posted some photos earlier about San Diego State. They have uh, helmet sponsors. I know we've talked about, I think we've talked about Minot State has Kudoba stickers on their helmets. We gave a shout out to the boys at San Diego State because they rock the Rock and Baja Lobster on their helmets. The Rock and Baja Lobster looks like a, a seafood restaurant in Newport Beach and San Diego in Old Town. Seafood cocktails in good times. So they have the logo on the helmets. Mentioned that, you know, it helps with dues. The players pay a little less. They maybe get a drink deal at at the Rock and Baja Lobster. And uh, I also saw, too, the, the bar does show their games on the TVs, which is also a, a really cool place. So first question is, are you a fan of ACHA AAU teams using helmet decals as you know sponsorship opportunities? I know there's a lot of backlash from that in the NHL, but if you are a fan, what uh, helmet decal would you like to see your team use? So, Collins, I'll throw it over to you first. It's a great opportunity to you know help raise some money for the team and knock off some some costs, make it more affordable for guys to play. At Villanova, there are two I would love to see. One being Wawa, big Villanova connection with Wawa. CEO is a Villanova alum. Two would be Kelly's Tap Room, which is you know the main bar uh, at Villanova. They are our beer league team, so all of our jerseys say Kelly's Tap Room on them. That would be an easy transition to get some Kelly's logos on the side of the helmets. But yeah, I think I think it's great for the league overall. Um, just to to help raise some money and make things uh, a little bit easier on the guys. Herm, we we talked with Matt, you know the the owner of Six One Four Hockey, and and what he went into designing the helmet decals for the Bobcats to match the jerseys. But if you had to swap that with a sponsor, I, I feel like I know where you, you'd go with this one. I'm actually going with Kroger. I feel like I've said the CI so many times on this podcast that it's just cliche at this point that anyone who's a a faithful listener would have been like, oh, Herm's going to say he's the eye here. I, I think going with the the big brand is is kind of the play. I have been vocally against advertising on jerseys, on helmets at the NHL level, purely because I think there's something beautiful about a, a pristine, no advertisements hockey jersey that works at the ACHA level. It's a completely different financial situation, which is why I think it can it can absolutely be justified. Yeah, I, I immediately thought you were going to go with the CI. I do love that the the M2 team has that as the shoulder patch because it just matches. Like the CI has a good logo. It's like a college pennant. It looks like an alternate logo from afar. And, you know, I know the boys love it there. So that's a, that's a good one. I, I like the background there on Kroger. I am actually going to change my answer. I was originally going to go Barone Steel just because of everything that the Barone family did for Syracuse hockey. They have the power play, though, so I think they'll be all right with this one. I was actually going to go with Syracuse alum Aaron Krause 
CEO of Scrub Daddy. Let's get the Scrub Daddy logo on the Syracuse helmets and let's uh, generate some revenue here. I think that would be a, a, a fun logo to have uh, as the helmet decal. Stick stick taps to Bryce K for scoring his first goal in the USPHL this weekend. All right, boys, good good episode here. Any any 611 thoughts here? Anything on your mind here? ACHA, AAU, college hockey related. Again, it's kind of we, we we start to enter that quiet zone. We we are blessed with so much hockey week in and week out and it starts to to kindle out in these weeks here leading up to finals and december and, and then the holiday break i got a, I got one quick thought i am absolutely fired up for when we get back in january and we are in the midst of the playoff push the national push because it's going to be awesome this year i have a feeling it's it's going to be a good 2024 i got a thought speaking of nationals why can't the ACHA and AAU just return to the schedule that they were on last year so we don't wind up pulling our hair out in March? I was originally anti-24 teams in ACHA Division One Nationals because I think that just waters it down. But I've thought about it, and now I'm excited because usually those first day games are all blowouts because they're top seeds beating lower seeds. I hope it means we get some entertaining games when you get like maybe like 18 playing 24 and 19 playing 23. I hope that makes for some good hockey. So I'm thinking about that. That has me excited. And it should be another exciting weekend of college hockey. As always, be sure to tune in to the Hockey House Pod social channels at Hockey House Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Follow along for all the college hockey content this weekend. Send us your photos, your videos, your clips, your highlights, everything and anything. We'll keep the DMs open all week long. And thanks again for tuning in. We will uh, keep throwing the content at you, and we can't wait to have you tune in next week. See you, boys.